Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering dash innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, uh, what else? What else is it except preparing for Apple's iPhone 13 event or whatever oh, they're going to end up calling that thing, right, Sherlyn? Yeah, I I feel <laughs> like we're, we're pretty set on that name, but but that's I'm not putting any bets on it anyway. Yes. We'll, we'll see how it goes. As yes. always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget Podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes, too. And also, we typically do live streams on our YouTube channel around 10 a.m. Eastern every Thursday. So join us for that. Join us for some Q&A. And, uh, you know, we'll get to know your names. That's always fun. Let's just head right into this Apple event thing. And to talk about it, we've brought on Julian Chokatu from Wired. Hey, Julian, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are, how's everyone here? <laughs> we're we're peachy. We're peachy. I'm running on like four and a half hours of sleep, but that Matrix trailer will be right up. We'll be talking about it, you know, after all of this. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, we are all in the tech media world and it almost seems like everything revolves around the iPhone and certainly revolves around Apple. So this is the big event we're all waiting for coming uh, next week, September 14th. Of course, we'll see a new iPhone. Who knows what it's going to be called? I would I would put money that it won't be called the iPhone 13. But what do you guys think? And what are you expecting? I'll start and then, you know, I want to hear what you think, Julian. But I I think a little bit of background too, right? I think like the whole industry, like Devendra says, is like waiting for the invites to come out. So we all got back yeah. from, what was it, the Labor Day weekend and to 12 p.m. on Tuesday, everyone was, everyone got there. Well, everyone important anyway, got their invites wow. <laughs> to this uh, uh We gotta remind you, you only recently became important, Trillian. How dare you? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the invite has the Apple logo sort of floating on top of this mountain and water background. And the words mm-hmm. on it are California streaming. So, of course, all of us are like, what does that mean? What could that mean? What what surprises might they have in store? Uh, but given past history, this is almost always when Apple launches mm-hmm. new iPhones. So, yes, it's almost a given that iPhone <laughs> should be the 13 or at least... Last time around was 12. Whatever the 12. next one is called, yeah. One uh, p- thing people thought might be the name was potentially 12S, but mm. who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 seems more likely. Julian, what do you think? What would the name of the iPhone be? Do you think Apple is superstitious? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I hope they're not because uh, I, I don't like it when they skip those numbers. and like Why? When they went from Because when they skipped nine, it was just like people were like, 
what, what happened to the nine? And, and Seven, then eight, you have nine, to no. then explain. Yes, thanks. <laughs> of course. Uh, but <laughs> also, yeah, no. Microsoft's reasoning for Windows, right? For there, yes. there is no Windows nine. That's true. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I, I think I think a thirteen rolls off the tongue. Uh, I don't I don't want them to go to fourteen or twelve S. I think the S stuff is also just the not S gets confusing. Agreed. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm hoping for a 13, and I feel like it's going to be a 13. It it seems like, uh, but then you never know. They surprised us with Pro Max not too long ago, and uh, that that was names don't matter, like not at all. But I do think like and I brought this up last week. There's so many, almost every culture in the world, like so many folks are like no 13s, no 13s in buildings, no 13s like in general. So. I do feel like there there's a certain amount of cultural cultural sensitivity there, even if it's just superstition. Uh, but I guess we'll see. What are you guys expecting though? Because I feel like last year's model, you know, uh, the twelve series that brought in five G wasn't a huge redesign, but I think the five G was the big selling point. Are we expecting a big redesign this year? Because I know I also saw a leak. That there's a leak for next year's phone already. Yeah. So every Boy. everything's topsy turvy. Go ahead, Julian. I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't seem like there's a, a drastic redesign. You know, there's there's it's been a bit all over the place. Um, I saw John Prosser's um, sort of leak, and he says there's all these things like a like a whole punch camera and different um, for next year's phone. Was, yeah. uh, for next year's phone, right? Um, yeah. So so you know, I I don't think there's going to be a dramatic change this year. Um, it seems like it's pretty much the same, and. Um, that's fine because I think they feel and look like they really looked nice with the iPhone 12, and I think they did a really good job mm-hmm. there. Um, of course, it'd be nice to see like a smaller notch and things like that, but you know, I yeah, think for yeah. the most part, um, it's it's going to be pretty much the same. Um, but I mean, I think from what I think, the biggest visual change is going to be is you know potentially that always on display, which kind of hinted at in that teaser um, for for the invite. Uh, they had that like the clock, and it was kind of glowing. So it kind of looks like an always-on display, which Android has had for, what, like a decade? I don't know. So finally, nice to see that coming. Um, I don't know if iOS users have been clamoring for it, to be honest, because, like, it's so easy to... It's not really the thing. Yeah. I I never look at my phone and be like, I wish this was on more, you know, because the the times... My always-on screen on on my Android. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I, I like, like it. the worst battery life? Like, that's the thing. Like, how is that trade-off for you guys? It, uh, I, I would say that an iPhone usually lasts me a full day, and most Android phones usually either last me a full day or, if not more, mm-hmm. um, with it on. So I feel like it's not a huge difference. Um, like, right now, I have a, a Nokia phone right now next to me, and it's telling me the time. So it's, it's nice. I get it. Um, I just don't <laughs> – I feel like, you know, when it's going to come – to an Android phone, people were super excited. But on iOS, I think most people might be like, "All right, it's like you know, blah." <laughs> yeah. yeah, is it? Um, so the thing I I really just want to see is high refresh rate screens on everything on all the lines. That's been on a lot of Android phones. That is the thing that I think for a lot of people. What do we do on our phones? We just we scroll. We scroll and we read and we look at other people's social media posts. And the way to make all that look smoother is to, you know, refresh that screen faster. So you get smoother, smoother scrolling, smoother everything. So, you know, are we expecting that this year? I mean, I don't know how much, I'm, I'm sure you've, you know, paid attention to a lot of the leaks too, Julian, but I recently, just yesterday, spent a lot of time kind of like wading through every, all of the yeah. leaks that have been out. Uh, and I think the always on display is the most common one that keeps coming up. It, 
it's gained a lot of traction. Another one that keeps coming up is a 120 hertz refresh rate model that is most likely going to be on the Pro uh, only and potentially also only on the Pro Max. Mm. Uh, but Aww. let's backtrack ever so yeah. slightly. Let's backtrack a little bit, right? I, I kind of want to give you a full rundown of what we're expecting. So like last year, it seems like there will be four models of iPhone this year. Um, whether it's called the iPhone 13 or not, there will be an iPhone, say, 13 mini, uh, regular 13 Pro and Pro Max. So this is all but confirmed thanks to a mm -hmm. an FCC filing for updates to the MagSafe charger that listed four new phone models. Um, so this this is almost like not a big shocker and it's almost guaranteed. Then you've got mm -hmm. the always on display rumors. We've got the 120 hertz refresh rate rumors on the on the larger pro model maybe both the uh -huh. pro models we don't know and then let, let me um, just say i hope they don't do that because that's what they did last year with the camera thing and i'm like those pro maxes are big those are big half pound yeah, phones i don't want to carry out. that right yeah but but uh it, i i no idea really i think they might need uh -huh. the bigger space for more ba battery to to support something like that who knows um, you know, bigger batteries is one of the rumors too that that people have been talking about. But there's also talk of some slightly smaller camera notches uh, on the front, just slightly. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're you're going to see a punch hole display in this year's model, um, but maybe a refined design. Um, mm -hmm. I'm seeing some very interesting comments in our YouTube chat, which you know, for the listener, you can come join us again, like the Vindra said on Thursday mornings. Um, that point out, by the way, funny things like. Kylo Tech here says that always on displays barely affects battery life. I believe that's coming from the Android side of things. And I want to reiterate, mm -hmm. yes, always on display and high refresh rates are definitely concerns for battery life, you know, dropping overall. But it, it, the, another report that's been widely circulated is that Apple might be using an LTPO, a lower power, more energy efficient mm. display for the high refresh rate model. So it, there's a lot of screen stuff going on, basically, is what yeah. I'm thinking, right? Julian, is does that, that does line LTPO, up? So mm -hmm. let me just say, does LTPO cover OLED? I thought that was like LCD only. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. At least that's okay. they're going to sort of implement that engine. Work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll see, I see. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of weird that um, they were one of the first to use 120 hertz display on an iPad yep. in 2017. And it just kind of was like, all right, we're just going to put it on the iPad Pro line and nothing else while mm. everyone else started adding it. <laughs> and now now they're kind of late to the game on a phone. But, um, you know, it's nice to be able to see it. Uh, but, yeah, that LTPO, I think, should allow it for the, the refresh rate to sort of change and probably go down to 60 when you're not doing anything like scrolling on the phone mm -hmm. um, or playing a game. Uh, so that's that's nice. Um, it just seems bit like, you know, finally, <laughs> finally it's yeah. here. Um, it's kind <laughs> of strange that it took so long. Yeah. And and yeah, you're right. It's probably going to be more of an adaptive thing. That's another, I think, battery yes, saving yeah. measure uh, that might be there too. Does this satisfy your 120 hertz itch, Devendra? <laughs> I mean, almost. I, I, first, I hope they get it. Uh, it doesn't even have to be 120 hertz. If it was like 90 hertz, just give us give us something more. Exactly. Give us something a little smoother than 60 hertz because we are so used to 60 hertz screens and there is a jaggedness to scrolling and to movement. And I also surround myself with high refresh rate monitors at times. So I like start to notice these things. But I also do think it, it's sort of like the jump to retina displays. Like your eyes can tell when a screen is moving faster. And to me, that 
alleviates eye strain. It makes everything look better. Um, I think ideally it should be adaptive. I, I think we're seeing uh, Windows 11 is going to be supporting that too. Uh, mm. That's going to be on like PCs as well. And, you know, that's the idea where you don't have to manually, you don't have to worry about always using the high refresh rate. Um, and if you're doing something like just sitting and scroll, like reading and not really moving the screen much, it could slow down and save some battery life. Adaptive is the way. That is the way we should do it. But we just need to have that gateway to higher refresh rates. Anything else like a camera wise, other feature wise? Yeah. So I mean, many. But Julian, yeah. you go ahead and tell me what your favorite ones are so far. I mean, I just can't wait because, like, uh, I saw a leak that, that was saying that they're going to use improvements to sort of night mode where they uh, improve mm-hmm. um, astrophotography, which you could kind of mm-hmm. do on the current iPhones. But um, if you look at the the sort of teaser uh, invite thing, you know, they sort of focus, the camera sort of pans a little so slightly up into the stars. And um, mm. one of the leaks was that, you know, if the iPhone camera detects stars in the shots, then it'll sort of change the algorithm to make sure that it's, you know, focusing on that more and maybe probably do a longer exposure or something like that. So um, that's exciting because, you know, pixels being able to do astrophotography for the past two years has been great. Like, I love that yeah. feature. And so finally being able to get something of equal caliber, if not better, on an iPhone would be would be really nice. Speaking of stars, I think you guys talked about this on last week's episode, but a satellite communications mode or or feature might be coming to the iPhone as well as one of the rumors. Um, of course, the early reports got everyone excited, but I think subsequently people found out. And my first take when I first read this was, oh, yeah, obviously this is only going to kick in when you have no cellular communications but but now people are like realizing that that seems to be the implementation, which is, yes, only available when cellular isn't available. So in rural places, which I think is a smart idea if it does happen. Uh, and according to the rumors, it uses a, a modified version of Qualcomm's, one of Qualcomm's modems. Um, so it could, like if the component's already available, then it sounds like it's feasible that this might roll out in this year's model um, too. It would be nice to see, as I was chatting about with Dan, like, Sure. When you're far off, you're camping or in the middle of the woods or somewhere mm-hmm. or hiking. Um, it'd be nice to have some sort of connectivity. Right now, you can buy satellite phones and have yeah. a separate service that'll you know kind of give you that protection. Um, it's not a feature that was really going to help a lot of people. You know, it is yeah. uh, a very extreme edge case. But hey, if they can fit it in. Uh, that would certainly be like a thing Apple could use to like say, hey, we're Android don't has doesn't have this. We can do this other thing. Um, I was going to ask you guys about 5G because 5G was the big one last year. I think, uh, sure, my iPhone 12 Pro is fast. I don't think it's necessarily always faster than previous models. It's not always faster than 4G LTE. Um, If I'm standing in front of one of the big, nice 5G towers, sure, I'll get really nice speeds. That is a very rare thing these days. is there anything on the phone side that could offer a better 5G experience or are we still just waiting for the networks to catch up? I don't think so. Like I've been testing so many 5G phones and it's become a, one of those features where it's like almost 4G LTE at this point for me where it's like I don't need to test this because like I don't have much to say because it's either you connect to 5G and you have sub six speeds, which are sometimes great but sometimes like normal and it's normally not like pretty awful actually for me. Yeah. And, and you're not going to like notice like who exactly is downloading like a Netflix movie mm-hmm. while you're walking uh, on a street, like walking your dog. Like maybe you are, I don't know. But like for the use cases sometimes. for me, yeah. <laughs> for the, the, the use cases I think of is like, if I'm 
putting my daughter, packing my daughter into the car and, oh my God, I forgot to download Paw Patrol or something to her iPad. And like before a drive, I have like maybe a minute or two and I just really want to get something in there. I don't want to rely on streaming. That sort of use case seems good. But yeah, again, it's it's not an everyday thing. Yeah, it's like pockets of moments. I, I agree. I think um, that like 5G has potential, but sub six is in general not very good. Like I've been on T-Mobile um, for a while and I don't know if I showed you this, Julian, the last time we were around each other, but apps just won't load. The internet just won't load anymore because <laughs> 5G is that slow for me. It's so weird. Uh, I I suspect it may have something to do with, to do with my carrier t-mobile which by the way i'm not bashing them for any reason just because our former parent company and still a 10 percent stakeholder i believe of um (laughs) and gadget's parent company it's verizon wireless but they do not have any say over editorial uh stuff Mm. but but anyway um i i don't think t-mobile's network which is mostly sub six is that great uh what you really do want i personally feel is millimeter wave which is where you see the big differences but that takes a much longer time to build out and and you know reliable connections are much slower but but let's all that said going back to the iphone 13 that's not one of the big things you know that rumors and leaks so far have us expecting i think we can expect it it's a given i think they will all be 5g phones uh, whether they'll have mid-band support, that's like the next big thing in 5G, mm-hmm. uh, will be the only, I think, thing in question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what but will that give us? Is mid-band better for like in-building 5G reception, I think, right? It's like, think of it as halfway between sub and, and and millimeter wave is, I think, okay. what the right way to think about it. But correct me if I'm wrong, Julian, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty much that C-band support that's everyone's talking about because AT&T and Verizon are supposed to be rolling out this C-band support, which is going to improve better 5G stability, speed, basically everything about 5G on those two networks specifically, and that's going to happen at the end of the year. But it's a huge question mark as to, like, you know, they've been saying yeah. 5G is going to be great by around now for, like, the past two years, and it's like... yeah. So I, I don't want to take a carrier's <laughs> word for, at face value. There, there's a I, lot yeah. of like, yeah, we, we got to start looking like deeper what was going on with 5G. Like uh, the rollout was so hyped. And I've se- I've been seeing 5G demos since like 2014, 2014-ish, 2015, I think. Like we've been seeing them for a while. Uh, actually, I think even my first Mobile World Congress, like there were demos at like in 2012. Um, the max speeds, like the tech is capable, but Mm -hmm. that is not what everybody's seeing. That's not the use cases people are seeing. And I do think like the ultimate thing is sort of like the, the ultra low latency stuff people have talked about where, okay, you could use 5G for VR. You could use 5G for like really responsive gaming or something like that could be a thing. Are we seeing any of that yet, guys? They're shipping stuff on phones. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I recall, I think it was the Pixel 5a, you know, has like Stadia like yep. pre-built and they're, they're like right, sort of right. highlighting these experiences. But like I I just don't <laughs> see the, the real benefit. Like unless you're on millimeter wave, which again is kind of hard to tell when you're on millimeter wave because you have to be on a specific block mm-hmm. on like and find the node. And so like I'm not sure who's hunting for millimeter wave nodes out there, but when you're at home, chances are I, most people aren't going to like. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, we I, are. I, but, yeah, we are. <laughs> but when, when you're at home, you're probably not going to turn off Wi-Fi and switch to 5G. Yeah. So like then you have to it's, consider, oh, I'm paying for 5G and I'm paying for the right amount of data why? and everything. So it's just it's just too much for the average person to think about that. I don't think it's, mm-hmm, it's a big mm-hmm. deal. 
I think I feel like we got we got to move on from iPhone stuff just because it it seems like you it's mean we got to be... move on from five G stuff. There's still more iPhone well, stuff 5G we stuff. haven't. What, what other quickly... iPhone stuff you got? What else? I'll just I'll just quickly run through the rest of the stuff, right? So mm-hmm. uh, in in addition to like improved uh, astrophotography or or an automatic astrophotography no- mode, there's also a potentially portrait video recording mode, and the hardware of the cameras themselves are supposedly going to increase. I think the ultra wide cameras themselves are supposed to get a boost. Uh, with b- better sensors and lenses. Mm. Uh, as for the main, the two other main characters, uh, characters, cameras, we're not that sure they're going to get significantly upgraded just yet. But at least on the ultra wide cameras, you you should see hardware improvements. Uh, and then as for the overall design, like Julian said, there's not going to be much change there's some sort of refinement i believe uh perhaps a grippier texture is one of the uh, rumors that came out i believe of what max weinbach who has been leaking a lot of this stuff in the past uh but apparently apple is also working on titanium frames for some time in the future we don't know uh mm-hmm. and then you know the rest of the stuff that we talked about for iphone 13 i think yeah we already said a faster chip is almost a given so yes expect a faster chip uh and and maybe more other components we don't know but there there will be other devices and i think that's what you're trying to get us to right davindra i mean i i hope there will be other devices that's what it sounds like Uh, are we expecting a new ipad at this point or usually it's like another event right it's usually a month after so um i almost want to say so one of the the comments Mm -hmm. in our youtube chat to ask if there might be a new macbook pro redesign and Mm. one of uh the smaller rumors floating around is that yes there might be a macbook pro with a flatter look that's a bit more reminiscent of uh the macbook air i believe Mm -hmm. um might might be coming but uh according to the timing uh reported by bloomberg's mark german on that potential redesigned macbook uh it's more like between september and november so this is if anything the one that might be slated for a little later in the year everything Mm -hmm. Else that we're expecting though include the Apple Watch Series Seven, the Airports Air, Airports AirPods <laughs> Three, and yes, new iPads. Uh, and we can start with the iPads, right? Because new iPads, I feel like probably going to be a given at, at this point. We're talking about mm-hmm. the entry level iPad, and at this Just point, the base already, model. yeah, yeah, the base cheaper, not the Air, and not the Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be like the iPad Nine at this point, if if, if yeah. it does launch next week, and uh, the leak. Don't seem to indicate that a lot will be changing visibly. We're not gonna see. Oh, um, one thing by the way that's not coming to the iPhone 13. People were like early on, were like, maybe there's gonna be an in-display fingerprint sensor. Uh, mm. And now people are like, nah, sorry, fam, can't, couldn't, we couldn't make it work for this, uh, for this year. I don't, I personally wouldn't want an in-display fingerprint sensor on an iPhone. I don't need it just yet. Uh, Julian, do you, have Even you Even when you're masked up, yeah. I know, I know, I agree. I think fingerprint sensors are a thing, but I've been an Android user where they've never really gone away. So mm-hmm. I like yeah, the I'm, wall pixels. Yeah. I, I, I've looked at the iPad rumors and it seems like it's a carbon copy of the yeah. past three from the past sure. like couple of years, which is fine. Uh, you know, it's it's not great in a way because 
yes, they're still one of the best tablets that you can buy at that price. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, the best. Let's let's not. Yeah, you. sure. Like, okay, that they, is the they, tablet you're going to buy they if you're buying best, one under four hundred. But it's yeah. it's becoming a part. Uh, it's almost like you know, it's just becoming complacent. It's like they they know they have a comfortable mm-hmm. lead, so they don't need to do much there. Whereas sure. there are Android tablets that are cheaper or in that price range that look nicer. That might mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they just don't have the software to sort of back it up. So like, mm-hmm. sure, yeah. Apple can do whatever the heck they want, but it it would be nice to for them to sort of maybe try a little more and and innovate a little bit there because for. I just think, you know, most people are probably going to be buying that one. And for it to just stay so stagnant is kind of maybe a little disappointing for mm-hmm. some people. But it's it's a yeah. it's a minor nitpick. It's it's a hard thing because it's it's sort of like they they have perfected the entry level tablet in a way. Right. Like I have my daughter has one. She has the sixth gen that we use for like when she's eating food and she needs to like watch a show. Otherwise, she'll freak out or she's in the car. And it, it is that use case. It's that use case of just like you want to bring a little video around with you or somewhere. Not if you want more power, you get the iPad Air, you know, right? And if you want really pro level power, you get the iPad Pro. The plain iPad is just here to be cheap because I bought mine two years ago for like 230 bucks. These things retail for 330 ish and they get cheaper all the time. So I almost wonder if like, would you think a price cut would be better? Like, okay, keep it the same, but make it 299, you know permanently or something that would be nice um i also do wonder if they're maybe not really changing it much because they might think that the design with bigger bezels and is just more comfortable for a lot of people and and familiar and maybe on a tablet it makes more sense to have an option that's like that with the with the physical button that people are used to as opposed to maybe switching to that all gesture design with face id or, or touch id on the side just because it's more convenient because you know it's kind of like how they have the iphone se which is sort of that phone for people who hate the iphones with face id and, and gestures and no buttons and all of that so uh, it could just be that it's perpetually going to be that but i do think uh, a price cut is, is for sure warranted i think it could go to 250 that'd be nice that's the thing, right? Apple will never do that. No. Because that's the won't. thing. What they what they want is the they want like higher prices per unit or something. What is what is the earnings term for that? But uh average price point. They want that to stay relatively high. Anything else you want to add about iPad Trillin? Um some of the rumors indicate that like Julian said, it looks externally like a carbon copy, but you know, what we can expect are Internal changes that you should pretty much expect every year anyway, which is newer processor and more RAM in this case. Uh, Some hints uh, seem to indicate better pencil support, uh, but more specifically, the iPad mini 6 is also something that has been floating around as a rumor. Um, I mean, I love the iPad mini series. They're just cute little 8-inch tablets ish um but the ipad mini 6 is the one that if it does get released next week uh is slated haha slated for a more uh ipad airish redesign don't know if it will for sure happen but if that is true uh the other rumor that's floating around is a smaller pencil might also be in the works yeah Yeah, to Mm -hmm. to work with that little tablet so that that's that's your ipad rumors for next week I, I personally, I, I think we will see new iPads. I just don't know how much change to expect from mm-hmm. them. I don't know how much we need, really. Like, for me, it's like the base storage. That could be the big thing. Like, if Apple mm-hmm. all of a sudden is like, no, is it, it's still 32 gigabytes, I think, on the iPad. Like, if, if that was oh just 64, God. like, that would be, 
that would be life changing, I think, for a lot of people. Certainly for my daughters, like downloaded uh, Disney Plus shows and stuff like that sort of thing would make a huge well, difference. Well, Tavindra, how else are they? Yeah. How else are they going to sell you more iCloud storage? Come on, right? Well, it's not even iCloud storage. It's like I I need stuff on my device because I'm driving. And I don't, but I you're don't right. always have cellular. You know? You're right. The starting is 32 gigs. I just checked the website. The yeah. iPad 8 it's still, still starts at 32. I mean, that it would is... also be it would also be nice if they just included, like if this time around they added a better uh-huh. way of pen stylus storage on those two. Because yeah. yes. like at this point, it's like, okay, you're like the best at tablets. How is your entry level stuff still like I have to find a place to store this this pencil or just super glue get it. a case or something yeah super glue it That'd be, yeah, do, that. <laughs> do not super glue your stylus people that is not a do not, not a super strategy. glue anything to any device um anyhow mm-hmm. they're, they're speaking of not much change coming in new products the apple watch series 7 is another uh device we're expecting next week that is not necessarily going to get big uh updates uh the most I think common rumor that's floating around is that they'll have larger cases and screens and therefore correspondingly you get new apps and faces that will make better use mm-hmm. of the, the increased space. Um, so the larger cases, instead of 40 and 44, I believe, millimeters that the current models uh, offer, the Series 7 is supposedly going to come in 41 and 45 or 46 mm. uh, size. So... I, I don't know do, how do I feel about that. Do we think that's gonna is that gonna break the band support because that's kind of been the nice thing between oh, yeah. Apple on Apple Watch so far. Like, if you have a band from the first Apple Watch, you know they still connect to the new ones. Yeah, I don't think they'll break it, but I'm not sure, Julian. What do you think? That would be a very bad bad move. Yeah, that would be a bad move. I feel like they they wouldn't want to do that. Um, but it wouldn't it, should, it wouldn't be too difficult, I think, to keep that little housing for the strap the same while still increasing the case size just ever so slightly. Um, because also another thing is they're they're giving us uh, thinner bezels around the watch display, um, supposedly. So you know more room to, to do things and look at things and show. They, you they more could get an extra info. millimeter of space, like uh, yeah, by yeah. by shaving those bezels down a little. Um, isn't part of the rumors too? Like we're expecting maybe a flatter design, like more like the yep. iPhone 12 series. Yeah. Yep. So like a flatter, like flatter edges, the edges are not so curved um, and rounded. So yeah, slight redesign as well. Without having seen them in person, I can't tell you like what a flatter redesign will necessarily mean day to day. But certainly that's one of the rumors. The other rumors about the Watch Series 7 were earlier about potential body temperature sensors and blood glucose monitors on board. But... Uh, from analysts like Ming Chi Guo or uh, Mark Gurman, both seem to have uh, said that those features are more likely to come in later series than the series seven because it seemed like they weren't able to make it onto onto this one. Will we will we ever see an Apple Watch Pro? You think the that I don't know, but I think the the one rumored variant that people keep coming back to is a rugged. Apple Watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm thinking uh, of too. Like so an that, active, okay. the Galaxy Active type deals. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they they they, they kind of like played around with the SE last year, so so I, they're not right. they're not shy of like trying different things with the the watch. So I mean, that'd be cool to see something different. Uh, I think this time also they're we're expecting slightly longer battery life if the cases are just bigger in general. Um, but 
that would be, I think, the biggest benefit if you wanted to upgrade because uh, I don't think you can still really get anything more than a full day. Uh, and if you wanted yeah. to sleep track, you probably usually still have to toss it on the charger. So yeah. that's probably a highly requested feature. I will say that the other report or rumor that keeps floating around about the watches, and this is going to be a magic word that I keep repeating throughout this oh episode, new, new chips, new, new, new processors. <laughs> new they're they're going to they're gonna be faster. F faster. That's yeah, our, new year, that's new our podcast title. Always. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so ex like better performance, like maybe like mm -hmm. slightly more responsive, but like to, to Julian's point, very, I think battery life and faster charging would be two of my biggest wish list items for the Apple Watch. And and hopefully the Watch Series 7 gets them. I don't know yet. Gotcha. I, I'm wondering, will they ever take this tech and just bring it to pets? Give it. Give us the Apple pet collar. Just, it's just going to happen. Just use an AirTag. They'll tag. build it into AirTags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, Julian has the same thought. Put AirTags. <laughs> they got to make the AirTags smaller, though. Like that's the, mm, I that just started playing around with those. I shoved one into my wallet, and I'm like, why? You should yeah. not be this thick. To yeah. be in wallets, I don't know. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the Apple stuff? Um, I know we we like talked about uh, before the show Apple TV updates, and personally, like I would not expect that. We got a new model last year, or at least a new earlier remote this model. year, right? Is it earlier this year? I don't even it was know. April twenty twenty one, I think, when we reviewed. Okay, the 4K. yeah. So there, there you go. No, none of that, and also there's not much for them to change on the box level because. Yeah, it supports like all the all the audio and video stuff they need to right now. It's the remote they need to fix, and uh, I, I think they fixed it pretty well. There's also like all the AirPods rumors. Yes, exactly. Um, which mm -hmm. I I don't know how to feel because it, it everything points to something that's like a AirPods Pro look, mm -hmm. but then the actual mm -hmm. buds are not um, yep. like silicon. Like they're just like the traditional AirPod design, which. I hate it's a better so. ergonomics. Uh, <laughs> we're hearing, yeah, we're hearing like the better, like the in-ear in design will be very similar to the AirPods Pro, but the actual features, like supposedly there's some debate around whether or not active noise cancellation and spatial audio will be coming to the uh, regular AirPods 3, if that's what they're called. Um, but I don't know, Julian, did you see that one image that was leaked, I think, in February of them in their case or actually slightly outside of the case where the carrying case just looks a little taller, I think, or wider? Yeah, than, I mean, I, the, I mean, have yeah. you have you seen that they're using um, like the ear tips in those? Because because I've yes, been all yes. over the place where it's like they're not using ear tips and they're using like a traditional normal AirPod design. So if it's that, if that's the case, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> but the one I'm hearing, yeah, the, the one that I've seen uh, with most credence is, is that, yeah, there might be ear tips. Um, but who knows, honestly, like maybe there are options. Uh, maybe it comes in the box or something. I don't even honestly don't know at this point, but AirPods three long overdue. I think if we don't see them next week, people might riot. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's also, one of those also where... guess what they have. Guess what they have? A new chip. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably the new Bluetooth chip. Um, anything else you guys want to add about Apple stuff? I do feel like, you know, this, I'm waiting for them to surprise us, but in terms of current products, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a entirely, like, small upgrade for every single product category this time around. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously an M1 Mac Pro that's like larger will be a nice uh, change. Sure, sure. But it doesn't seem like there's one thing that's like, oh my God, that's that's completely different. But you also never know. They 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 sort of surprise you with a lot of the software features of these events. And so mm -hmm. 
there might be something crazy there that they'll announce. But um, products-wise, I, I think the most disappointing thing is that the we're just not hearing much more on on HomePod stuff, which if you're someone who's trying to outfit your entire home with a smart voice mm-hmm. assistant that's not Google Assistant or Alexa, <laughs> what the hell is going on there? <laughs> like it's you made just poor a, choices. Poor choices. Did they officially, did they kill the big HomePod? Is they that did, just like kinda, yeah. That's discontinued. Yeah. They just have the Mini, which is fine. I think the Mini is perfectly capable and definitely more appropriately mm-hmm. priced. It's just you still have far fewer HomeKit-enabled devices than compared to the yes. other ecosystems. And, yeah, I mean, it just seems like that's it's not moving as fast as we should be seeing it move, but mm-hmm. maybe they'll surprise us. I It would be nice to see more HomeKit stuff. I have uh, Arlo cameras around my house, and uh, some of them are HomeKit-enabled. So on my Apple TV, I could be like, show me the basement doors and it pops up in a picture and pinto, a picture window on apple tv which is super useful if you want to spy on people or see like if people are approaching your house while you're watching tv uh i would love to see more of that i'd love to see like maybe more features from ios 15 right like i when they had their product event earlier this year that seemed like the big thing uh, a lot of cool new features in ios 15 i've been testing out the the public tests and uh, it looks good it feels good and lots of features that generally like make life a little easier i think i don't know what you guys uh you know your perspective has been on that yeah i i have been living with the android beta a little bit more than i have with the mm-hmm. ios 15 beta but i'm about to make the switch back because of course gearing up for apple week i need to get reacquainted um but we were just saying that a lot of these updates seem to be minor incremental changes on the hardware side. I do think that what Julian sort of hinted at is probably going to be true, which is uh, software is probably going to be where we see a lot more of the surprises. Uh, iOS 15, we already more or less know what to expect, but there might still be a kind of new feature that Apple will throw in there. Who knows? Uh, and then watchOS 8, I think just also seemed to me like a very minor update over uh, the existing, the watchOS 7 uh, software. So not sure what's going to happen there if, if Google might, uh, Google, Apple might show off um, something also next week for the watches, but everything else seems fairly incremental on the hardware side. Mm-hmm. Julian, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'm in the same boat as you. I've been trying to write this Android 12 beta thing. Uh, and, and I'm going to just now switch over to the iPhone to, to get get on that. Yes, but so I don't have too much of an experience with iOS 15, but I, I'm more most excited for uh, setting up all those focus features, which mm. is yeah. like those profiles oh, those are great. that you can those set up. Those have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's probably my, most ex- uh, my, my favorite iOS 15 feature because I'm pretty sure I thought Agreed. of that like five years ago. And oh, screw off. <laughs> I totally did. I should have patented it. Anybody, yeah, we, we all did, buddy. Such Come a on. genius, Julian. <laughs> I know. Sure. What a genius you are. Is there anything else you want to mention, Sherlyn, about this? Yeah. Yes, I do, yeah. which is that I the reason I have been knee deep or neck deep in mm. uh, sewage water. No, in uh, <laughs> r- rumors and reports. Don't leave your building. Yeah, <laughs> is that I have uh, been I, I am working on a what to expect story that not only it covers everything we've gone through, but has some other details as well with all the links to all the rumored pictures and everything. A video will be up on our YouTube channel soon too, so you can also check that out. If not later today, then you know first thing tomorrow. So. Be sure to watch Engadget. That's that's all I'll add on that issue. 
All right, Julian Chokatu, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet these days? You can find me at Julian Chokatu. Uh, it's J-U-L-I-A-N-C-H-O-K-K-A-T-T-U. And uh, we're, uh, I'm always on Wired.com, which uh, is where we test all of our gadgets and write about all the, the tech news as well. So, so check out, check out Wired.com. Hey, folks, I'm interrupting the regular podcast here just because some news dropped right after we ended up recording. Facebook unveiled their first smart glasses, the ones they've been teasing for a while, the collaboration with Ray-Ban, and these are called the Ray-Ban Stories. They're starting at $2.99, and uh, they have two cameras, they have speakers, they have microphones. They sort of like bring together all of the tech we've seen in smart glasses so far. So to talk about these, let's chat with Carissa Bell from Engadget, who normally covers social media for us. Carissa, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm very tired. I know you're very tired, but I'm glad this, like, we were past this news. And uh, I know you have thoughts about these smart glasses. So I, I kind of gave the basics here. If you've seen the Snap Spectacles, if you've seen the Bose frames, um, those are like glasses that only exist to pipe audio along the like uh, headband part or the, the earpiece part. This is combining all of that. Uh, it can take videos, it can take photos, uh, you can listen to audio, you can take calls with it. Um, I think what's most interesting is that they look pretty much exactly like a normal pair of Ray-Bans. The Wayfarer model is only five grams heavier than the current Wayfarer, the dumb one. So I think that's all impressive. But what is your main takeaway, Carissa? Yeah, they definitely are impressive. I think that it was really smart for Facebook to partner with a company like Ray-Ban, which is really popular, not controversial, um, you know, especially among younger people, I think. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, you know, I think, you know, I have mixed feelings about these because on one hand as a gadget, like it's pretty good. I enjoyed using it. Um, on the other hand, it's Facebook and Facebook camera glasses just, you know, feels a little creepy in some ways. I feel like that that is the main takeaway for everybody because I'm looking at the reporting all over too. And, uh, a lot of people have done something that I was just thinking of as well, like, um, to, while you're recording, while you're taking photos, there's a little light on the front of these cameras that support. It's supposed to like make people aware that you're doing something. I think Google uh, Google Glass had similar features, um, but if if you just put like a piece of masking tape over it or something, like it is very easy to just hide that uh, LED entirely. And then the cameras are just so subtle on the sides of these glasses, especially on the Wayfair. It's easy to like not even notice they're there. Basically, these things are perfect for just spying on people and easily, you know, getting photo and audio uh, onto social media or wherever. Um, that seems like it, this isn't only a concern for Facebook and these smart glasses, but it seems like a big issue that maybe they haven't fully thought out. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's valid. Um, certainly, I mean, even years ago when when Google Glass first came out, I know there was a lot of concerns um, with this kind of stuff. I think anytime you have a camera that doesn't look like a camera, you know, that opens up the door for a lot of uh, privacy concerns. You know, at the same time, I think like camera technology has gotten so cheap, so small. Like if you want to have a little spy camera, you don't need these to do it. Um, there's lots of other ways. Um, you know, at the same time, I think They're, they, you could buy them, you could buy them on Amazon now for like 50, 70 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like just a pair of classes with cameras. Yeah. But, you know, again, like the fact that this, you know, Facebook's name is on the box, um, you know, I think that definitely kind of just makes it seem all that 
more noticeable, you know, these kinds of issues. Uh, I definitely did feel like a spy at some points, you know, you walk around the park and you're like, yeah, snap, snap. Like (laughs) (laughs) you felt like you were on the Americans or something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got that. They're very like James Bondy. The branding is an interesting point because uh, the only place Facebook, the name shows up on these things is like outside the box. Uh, It says Ray-Ban X Facebook. Uh, But even then, Facebook is in really small print. The case um, that charges these things doesn't say Facebook on it. The frames don't say Facebook on it. Clearly, I I think Facebook itself is aware of its own issues around doing this. So they're like, it is almost like the parasite on top of Ray-Ban's brand trying to like inject some smart stuff in here. I don't, that all seems like a little cynical to me. Like I, I, Rather than confront the issues it faces as a company, because we've talked about this, Facebook is just awful when it comes to privacy. And I don't know if we can trust them as a company, uh, just looking at what they've done with their social network. Now we're going into entirely new territory um, where I'm I'm personally like a little afraid of smart glasses as a category altogether, too, because it makes certain things too easy. Um, you know, right now, sure, we all have uh, cameras in our pockets with our phones, but you have to take your phone out. You have to like do an action, right? You have to like do a little thing. Somebody's holding up their phone. We know what they're doing. Um, somebody tapes over the IR or the, uh, the big LED on the front of these glasses and you don't know what they're doing. They could have cameras on it. They could be recording. They could not. People walking into public restrooms to me would just feel weird wearing these things and just having the cameras out there. So I feel like there are a lot of social rules. We are, we there's so much stuff, right? Social media we weren't prepared for. We were barely prepared for uh, smartphones with cameras. I I think we're absolutely not prepared at all as a society for glasses that are smart and have cameras and can instantly upload video, you know? Right. And I think that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, I wrote a story kind of along these lines um, last year when Facebook, I think it was last year anyway, when uh, Facebook first kind of showed off um, some of its research around Aria, which is, you know, its research project for glasses that actually have AR built in. And, you know, I think right now, like the Ray-Ban glasses, they're still relatively dumb. You know, there's a camera, it has Bluetooth, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, like the form factor is different, but it's not that much different from what we have now. I think where this is going to get even uh, stickier, if you will, is when you have, um, you know, glasses that maybe could have eye tracking or have more right. advanced features, maybe facial recognition, um, and kind of actually have these kind of like smarter, more powerful capabilities. I think that's that's what makes me really nervous anyway. I mean, I'm I'm nervous about all this just because I see I see what smartphones have done to us, um, and uh, most of it's good, but there's a lot of bad out there. And cross that with social media, where the power of too much information all at once, too quickly. As human beings, we're not built to parse information like that. So now, add in uh, you know instantly capturing photos and video uh, right from your glasses. That just seems like a little tough. Um, I agree. The AR glasses are going to be an even bigger issue, and I don't. Yeah, again, Facebook is not the company to kind of figure this out. Um, I've reviewed all the Oculus stuff. I think when it comes to VR, I can easily segment what Facebook is doing there because the Oculus Quest is a big honking thing you put on your face. You're in VR. It's not crossing much into the real world yet. It is not like it's not invading society, Um, but these glasses will. You'll be wearing them. You'll be out in the world. You'll probably see AR advertisements or something hovering in the air. Um, who knows what they'll do with the, like, the data they capture from that. Yeah, I, I don't know if Facebook as a company has earned our trust in this regard. It sounds like you you feel similarly. 
No, I don't think they have at all. I mean, I think that they are trying. Like, they definitely seem to have sort of thought through the privacy piece as much as they do. You know, the app, when you, um, you know, when you first use it, it kind of walks you through all the privacy settings. Like, all that stuff is very clear, which I appreciate. Uh, you know, at the same time, like, they also automatically opt everyone into, you know, storing the transcripts of your voice recordings um, for, you know, sharing, like, the additional information back with Facebook, you know, and I think like that's probably, you know, if they really, really care, they would have that stuff off by default. Um, and then, you know, there's also these, all the stuff that you have, you know, with that happens with any other voice assistant as well. You know, I mentioned this in in my story, but, you know, I went to go back in the app and look through the, the transcripts and I'd only ever used the Hey Facebook command twice, but there's already four transcripts in there. So there was at least two occasions where it had thought I had activated the wake word or something and there was they weren't anything one was not like like a just nothing one was just like yeah it was the words yeah yeah so it wasn't anything too alarming but still I mean it shows you that you know these things aren't perfect and you think about you know thousands Mm -hmm. of people having these glasses you know there's a lot of things that could happen there gotcha I yeah I totally hear you and let me just say like okay separate the Facebook of it all which I think is terrifying um as products, here is what's maybe a little more scary is that they have done a very good job of boiling down all the existing smart glasses tech. So it has built-in speakers along the arms. They sound pretty good. Surprisingly, like better than I thought they would uh, for music. It's fine for putting on like light tunes as you're going for a jog, um, especially if you don't want to put anything in your ears and like maintain some sort of situational awareness. The photo quality, not so great, but the video quality looks really good to me, especially the first person stuff. It is very smooth and stable. Um, I was shooting like some video of me playing with my daughter and me running around, pushing her on the swings looks just really good. I think there's really no other way for me to capture that footage. Uh, So for parents, you know, maybe even pet parents, it seems like a good thing. Uh, I know people, I've seen people on YouTube, like put GoPros on their heads, right? Like they have the GoPro thing to capture first person video. And, you know, you you get some decent looking video like that. Uh, But even then you see a GoPro, right? You know, okay, this person is recording. There's like a social awareness there that there isn't when you're just having it in your frames. Um, so yeah, good product. I don't know if we're ready for it yet. These things start at $2.99. They're going to be available in like a variety of different styles. The basic Wayfarers, the bigger Wayfarers, uh, what are the other styles? Like Meteor. Yeah, those, the sort of, of round looking ones. Yeah, those are the ones I would want. So, I mean, they look cool. They do look cool and they all look good. Uh, the Wayfarers feel great to wear. Um, like I could see wearing these all day, which is what they want and is what's kind of terrifying about it. Um, at starting at two ninety nine, you're only getting like normal shades. You're not getting polarized lenses, which I know was a problem for you. Certainly a problem for me. If I'm buying really expensive sunglasses, I want polar- uh, polarization that reduces glare. That just generally makes everything look better. Um, you know, but you want polarization and full UV protection with any shade. So you got to pay more for that. You have to pay more for prescription. You have to pay more for transition lenses, of course. So these are going to be really expensive things too. But uh, would you see yourself buying these or something like these, Carissa? I don't know. I mean, that's a hard question because I, <laughs> when I was using them, you know, I thought like, it's not a bad product. Like I, like, yeah, like you yeah. said, it's great for going out for a walk, a little run, um, the first person video is, you know, does have some pretty like compelling use cases. So, 
you know, on one hand, I kind of thought, hmm, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I would, I would think about this. Um, you know, I do, you know, but I do have hesitations on, you know, the privacy stuff, um, and all the other issues we talked about. So, so I don't know, but, you know, I wouldn't tell anyone not to get them. You know, if you go in and, you know, you're okay with all those things and you're still excited about them, then I think like, it's probably, um, you know, having used spectacles, used Bose frames. I think this is the best version of, you know, this kind of product that I've seen. Yeah, I can feel that way. I do. I feel like I'd be upfront with people if they're considering it. Like, think about what would happen. You know, what would happen if you walked into a bathroom and you had a video camera, you know, with you? Uh, would you feel weird? Um, especially like a men's bathroom where urinals are usually just kind of open and out there. Yeah, there's a lot of things that would feel weird if you're at the urinal and look down and somebody's like, hmm. What are you capturing with the glasses you're wearing on your face? I feel like there are a lot of privacy issues there, uh, but we have not even yeah, you know, like we've only begun to scratch the surface on that. So I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add, Carissa? I'll just say that you know the other thing is like Snapchat has been doing this for five years now. Yes, um, yeah. and they yeah. obviously have not had um, as you know a ton of success with the product of Spectacles. I think Spectacles have been um, you know I've actually liked Spectacles. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, it's one of those that hasn't really been clear what they're for. I think, you know, there's still like a lot of work that they could do. But, you know, the, the camera glasses, you know, these sort of social media uh, first uh, glasses like have been out there for a while. And, you know, we haven't heard like a ton of, um, you know, crazy stuff of like a super egregious yeah. violations of privacy with people wearing them. I'm sure like that stuff has happened. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're talking about it now because it's like Facebook and it's Ray-Ban. So we're kind of yes, assuming that this exactly. is going to be more popular. People are going to be using this more. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the beginning, Snap Spectacles, like you had to like line up and get them at those weird physical kiosks, right? Like they were a little, they were hard to get. Uh, even now, like I think it's, can you just go and order it? I don't know like how that process works. They don't seem very popular. Like I, when I was living in New York, I had never saw people wearing Snapchat stuff. Um, maybe, actually, I only saw it when I went to San Francisco work so it just never seemed to like get much of a broad appeal outside of like the tech elite folks um or the like really uh hooked in social media kids whereas these is like these are going to be in stores you know these are going to be places where they sell ray bands i feel like a lot of people are going to like the idea of like hey i want to work out and listen to little music or podcasts it sounds good for that i guess we'll see i'm just a little terrified by this but we'll see how this all goes. Thank you so much for joining us to chat about this, Carissa. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, on Twitter, Carissa B. All right. Thank you very much. Let's move on to some other news. And come on, folks. The only thing that matters in this world, in my life right now, <laughs> is the new Matrix Resurrections trailer, which just dropped the morning as we're recording this. This is the, you know, fourth film in the series. It, mm-hmm. it is crazy to even say this. Uh, directed by Jess Lana Wachowski. Um, it has been weird because I am, I'm a big Matrix guy. Okay. Like, l- listen, like I, when that first movie came out, I was saying like, this movie is incredible and is changing everything. And with mm-hmm. 20 years of hindsight, Yeah. I, I cannot think of a single movie that has changed Hollywood uh, and movie going as much as The Matrix, for better and worse, you know? And uh, I also, I just want to say this, unapologetically, I love the sequels. 
And I know they have their issues, and I think they were received badly initially because I distinctly remember going to the theaters in college and turning around as there was like the orgy scene in oh, Zion, um, right. and people just oh, did not know what to expect here. Yeah, no, I just had it was a like the rave, the rave slash like <laughs> yes. sex scene that's there. Oh, uh, I love those movies so much. I am glad that um, there has been a lot of like analysis online and among critics and stuff. Uh, of the sequels, as messy as they are, I think they're like bold, ambitious movies. I cannot wait to see whatever happens here in the Matrix Resurrections. What are your thoughts, Sherlyn? I saw the trailer uh, because, full disclosure to everyone listening and watching, uh, the Vendra made us all watch the trailer. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. before this episode, uh, and it's called doing your homework, Sherlyn. Come on. Well, that, but also, <laughs> I, I, you know, haven't even caught it. Like, I got up and started preparing for the podcast. I haven't mm-hmm. like, that wasn't the, one of the first things I did, but I, I liked the original Matrix, the first movie. Second one was fine. And then the third one, I kind of not, I'm still not sure if I saw it. Honestly, like, I either blacked <laughs> out or like, <laughs> so like, you at some blacked point, out. Yeah. I might've, I might've wiped it from my memory. I need to uh, re-enter the Matrix, but this trailer looks dope. Like Keanu is having a big moment as always, and he is great in this. Uh, looks like some fan favorite characters are back, but it also looks like some new characters. The person with the blue hair really like caught my eye. They seem very interesting. I don't know what's going on there. And then, of course, it all revolves around the whole theme and idea of red pill, blue pill, which I will say mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter a few days ago. And I don't know, like, I think people were just getting hype for this to... to come out i mean the the teasers there was a teaser site where mm. you could click red pill or blue pill and you get like nice. this i just i am i am all in i'm ready i'm ready to uh, to like just give myself over to whatever story lana wachowski is trying to tell mm-hmm. um i Special have loved everything great, that by the way looks incredible looks yeah. incredible like looks like it's still it still looks like a matrix movie too which yeah. is what i was kind of worried but, like, about newer um, yeah but newer and fresher. Yeah. I have loved everything they've done post Matrix, to be honest, too. Like, yes. All masterpieces oh in their own way. Cloud Atlas, incredible film. Sense Speed Racer. So good. Speed Racer is good. Sense 8 is good. Uh, people will fight about some of these things, but there was so much like bursting of ideas and stuff in all their work that I, I cannot just wait. So, anyway. We're going to move on from this. Uh, I just want to drop a recommendation here. Uh, there is There has been a lot of great analysis of the sequels, but I think the best one I've seen so far is uh, called The Matrix Sequels Are Good. Actually, it's on YouTube uh, by the account Curio. And that dives into like how the sequels are also like very much like trans allegories and how they were, they're basically like sending a very clear message about people who mistook messages from the first movie too like uh, the red pill thing is gross and that happened even before like alt-right twitter existed and alt-right online stuff people were taking the first matrix in very bad ways in very like sexist ways and the sequels are like a direct response to that too and and the last thing i'll say is that i don't know if people already knew this but the trailer does say that the the resurrections movie is coming out christmas right around christmas december December this is what they're be. showing so far at this point. We'll see only oh, in cinemas. I, okay. I, I do hate it when they say only in cinemas when we're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. but uh, we will, we will see like that. That's really the only thing I, I want to be put into a matrix pod and wake mm-hmm. up <laughs> when this movie is out. That is when I am super excited for. Uh, yeah. Let's move away from the matrix and let's talk about friendly machines, friendly robots uh, like sure. iRobot's latest 
Roomba, the Roomba J7 Plus. Um, they just announced this overnight. Uh, I wrote it up. The, the big key is that <laughs> this one has a camera and computer vision technology to detect objects, you know, the obstacles, things in your way, and also poop. Pet I... poop. Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. Sherlyn, you do not have uh, pets, so I, I'm not reason. sure you're aware that this is a potential issue. But, hey, the, the biggest nightmare of leaving your Roomba on a schedule and just, like, leaving the house, which I do occasionally, um, is your pet makes a mess. And the Roomba is just a dumb little vacuum bot. And it just, like, will suck it up and spread it around your house and I've keep seen- going. I've been mm-hmm. on the internet. I've seen the pictures. It's uh, <laughs> not fun. Looks it did not it's, look like a fun time was had by anyone. It's a nightmare. Uh, so this new Roomba, uh, the J7 Plus, is eight hundred forty nine dollars. Um, it can basically see, it can see the poop. It can detect the poop. I talked to the CEO of iRobot about this, about their like poop uh, invest, like their poop research, right? And uh, they they modeled stuff out of Play Doh. They had employees sending photos, uh, so they could build a machine learning model for poop. Oh I think gosh. they may be the only company that has done this. Um, but yeah, if the Roomba, if this Roomba sees poop, it will mosey around it and keep cleaning. Um, and they're also giving you a pet owner official promise poop. Um, if your if your Roomba does actually make contact with poop, uh, they will just replace it for the first year. So that is kind of a nice thing. Because can I just it's say, a good fail safe, yeah. Can I just say, like, uh-huh. that's the thing that I have an issue with, right? Like, if you, if, if it's making all these promises, it's like, okay, the poop, you know, we will avoid it. And if it fails, you for sure want a new one because you clearly are going to yeah, have that yeah, poop yeah. kind of stuck in the motors and everything and smearing forever. <laughs> but uh, do you want a new one or do you just want a refund? Like, why would I just no. chance that again? Like, I would not. I, I mean, I. You, you probably wouldn't chance it and you'd probably run it at different times. But hey, listen. I have Roombas uh, pretty much on every floor right now. Uh, Roombas are great because I am very lazy and I would also like my house to be clean once in a while. So to have that, it's just like I clean up the floor and I tell the robot to do the thing and it goes around and does this thing. That is a really useful thing. So I think Roomba people and people who like robot, robot vacuums are like into this. This just gives you another level to trust them. Um, that's all. I, I think it's a smart move. Um, it's weird too because... This one, uh, this Roomba is not as powerful as the S9 Plus I talked about a couple of years ago. Uh, that one still sells for $12.99. Uh, that one is a more powerful Roomba, has like, like a square edge. Uh, this one's basically an updated Roomba i7 Plus, uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued. And they also say they're going to bring these sensors and this camera and more intelligence to like future Roomba models down the line. So I... Listen, Roombas are expensive. They're an extravagance. Not everybody needs it. Um, but I, I've really liked following them for a while because it is the closest example of us living together with robots. Um, you know, I, I got to pay attention to when the Matrix uprising is going to happen. It's probably going to be Roombas first at this point. Anyway, the Roomba J7 Plus, it detects poop. Pet poop. Good job. Not human Good poop. Good job, iRobot. Specifically robot. pet poop, yes. It can, it can probably detect human poop too, which, uh, hey, I have a toddler and poop is everywhere. There, There is... Poop is a fact of life. So sure. Thank you, Roomba, for detecting poop. Well done. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Uh, I have spent the last week testing out the RAV4 Prime, which is a car I've been waiting to drive and play with for a very long time. This is a plug-in hybrid from Toyota. It is it is the most high-tech 
RAV4 around because you could plug it into your wall at home, get around like 30 to 35 uh, miles of electric driving. And then after that, it just like drives as a hybrid car. So there's none of the range anxiety you get with a Tesla or some other electric cars, uh, but also far more efficiency for like when you want to do actual gas runs. And I think uh, the stat for a lot of people is that like we rarely drive more than like five or 10 miles in a day unless you're commuting. Because of that, there's a good reason to have a little bit of electric power in your car because it means you won't really have to fill up the tank as much. Uh, I love this thing. It feels good. I'll be writing it up soon. Um, I wish I wish like I had time to like do a video on it because it is beautiful. It drives really well. It is so much better than my 2017 RAV4. And it is definitely a sign of like where Toyota is going, hopefully, um, and where I want to see the rest of the industry go. Uh, we, we I think I talked about some things like do we I think we talked about Toyota like preventing like uh, pushing back electric vehicle tech in a way too. So they've been disappointing me in that respect. There was a story about them like giving money to basically insurrectionist politicians, which they eventually walked back. So they've done some dumb things, but in terms of their tech, in terms of their car designs, um, I generally like lean towards them. So yeah, this is a very cool car. Cannot wait to play with it. Toyota's also made some interesting yeah. assistive technology too. So I I mean, I pay attention mm-hmm. to them in that respect, but but yeah, exactly. not, not so fun what the other stuff they're doing that's not so great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are you working on, Trillin? I am working on being a better person. No. Uh, well, oh, yes, that. But, yeah. <laughs> but also, I'm just kind of getting out. Uh, like I came back from a time off and have been trying to catch up. Uh, and then, of course, you know, with Apple coming up, we're ramping up the preparation for that. So we will be hosting a live stream come September 14th, which is when the Apple event is, uh, right after Apple finishes, we will be live on the Engadget YouTube channel, me and uh, UK Bureau Chief Matt Smith, to talk about all the announcements, to share in our disappointment or bask in our excitement together with you. Um, we we shall see. We'll have a fun time. But then, it's you know, it's event season. It's, it's September, October. I'm... No sleep till you know Thanksgiving, I think. But that's that's uh, that's behind the scenes stuff that I'm working on. I'm also like that, I said, that is on... the the overworkers cover of the Beastie Boys song, I guess. Yes. So, no, yeah. no sleep, sleep till too. Thanksgiving because yes. I'm so busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, uh, like I said, the what to expect from Apple's event is coming uh, shortly on Engadget's site or YouTube channel. So you know, check that out. Very cool. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. Uh, I feel like we're going to be talking about something, but do you oh, have boy. anything you want to mention, Trillin, before no, mine's we dive tied, into our mine's special tied thing? into the, my, mine will be a good follow-up to our special thing, okay. I think. Okay, so I'll go first then, yes, because uh, I, I saw already... Shang-Chi and The oh, Legend no! of the Ten Rings, which I know you have seen, yeah. and I loved it. I love it so, so good, right? much. This oh. is top five MCU for yeah. me. Well, the best choreography the in the MCU. So good. The choreography is so good. Uh, Tony Leung just like elevates this thing mm-hmm. to insane heights. Like so much so where um, I feel bad for Simo Liu because <laughs> I, I love Simo. He's really fun. He has great comedic timing. His action, like his, he's very, he can move well. Like he's an he's action great. guy. Yeah. Um, when this movie needs to slow down and have him emote or like like do yeah. actorly things, I'm like, okay, all right. He's, he's good at the there, comedy actorly things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you drama, can't you can't yeah. put inexperienced actors up against Tony Leung. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like he Tony Tony is such a 
such a god, right? Such a master. Uh, in cinema. And then in this movie, like he's basically presented as the villain, but I think more of an anti-hero. God, so human. Um, like the way he's humanized uh, that character is so beautiful and brilliant. So, so good. I, I, my cousin also finally saw it, um, I think recently and, and he, I had told my entire family to come talk to me after they've mm-hmm. seen the movie. <laughs> um, and he, he's also based in America and he's like, yo, I think you're the only person I can talk to about this, but he felt so, I think a lot of the struggle of being an Asian kid with your parents who are like tough love, um, yep. Yep. sorts, right. Uh, I, I, for him, he felt that very strongly. I think I've, I felt it, but I think I have mm-hmm. had some distance from the show and oh, also, man. This- my dad this movie, never beat me up like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's more like the the emotional scars from uh, yeah. <laughs> Asian yeah. parents. This movie, like the, the allegory is like, oh, what if your father was a thor- warlord who lived for a thousand years and, oh, you know, uh, was really tough on you in many direct ways? Uh, Tony Long just really sells that. So yeah. I've also like, as I am want to mm-hmm. do after I've fallen in love with something, I also watched mm. a, a lot of interviews with the various actors. I mean, I watched the GQ had a video up where Tony Leung just explains all of his like iconic characters yeah. from his yeah. career. And this was one of them. And, and the way he kind of explained how he didn't want to just be a villain and he wanted to find mm-hmm. a, a more interesting way to portray this character. Uh, the way he describes Wen Wu, which is the character he plays, who is, by the way, the actual Mandarin um, mm-hmm. he he was like oh this is a guy who had a rough childhood when we had a rough childhood um, and then he he wants to love his kids but he doesn't know how to love his kids because he doesn't know how to love himself right. to he doesn't with. have the tools to love his children yes. and his family yeah so ridiculously like that hit home I was like holy mm-hmm. crap this guy is amazing and then yes the action okay so so here's my takeaway mm-hmm. from the show right Liu Simu is I say Liu Simu, whatever. Simu Liu mm-hmm. is great. Um, and, you know, what he's done to get this role. And, and you know, a lot of people like ask him about the tweets because after Captain America he and, and Black Panther and all of that, he would tweet at Marvel or Kevin Feige and be like, hey, how about how about that Shang-Chi movie? Hey, even before mm-hmm. he was, I think, ever in the consideration for the role. Um, yeah. So I had to give him a lot of credit for like sort of what he's done here. I, I don't think it's all him, obviously, but like he's mm-hmm. brought a level of likability to this character. Sure, sure. Um, but I also felt like when I first started, the, when the movie first started, I was like, this isn't a Marvel movie. I was like, I, this can't be. This is a wuxia movie. This is a yeah, martial arts yeah. sword fighting movie at the beginning. Then it got and into... It, it really goes... Like, I just got to say, it goes hard on that too. Hard, and I saw, we saw hard. glimpses of this in the trailer. I'm like, is this is this going to... Like, yeah, is this going to scratch my wusha itch, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does within it the does. first five minutes. I'm like, mm, okay, yeah. Right there. I was and on and board. it's it's yep. Qing Kong, it's everything that if you're mm-hmm. like if you grew up on wuxia like I did, it's mm-hmm. like everything you you know about t- uh, like martial artists and like what what that like is known for, you you get it, all the Qing Yong stuff. But also, then it dev- it goes into Marvel territory, and then it comes right out and becomes a third kind of movie, which I don't know if we'll be spoiling it a bit much. That to would be spoiling, like yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to describe stuff, yeah. that last X stuff because it feels very spoilery. But there's also a, lot, a bunch of tropes there that I identified that I didn't really like. Felt when I didn't really feel were necessary. Like it's mm-hmm. very like repetitive when it comes to Asian film. Anyway, I did mm-hmm. love Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Chen Fala was amazing also uh, I used to not like her I have a convert now Aquafina was Aquafina um, and everyone else was was like 
really the cast was great too i think they all aquafina was aquafina I, I do wonder if she's getting like maybe a little overplayed at this point like that I, is I, that, that's the thing she's everywhere every yeah 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 i know she's not singaporean also, she should not have been in Crazy Rich Asians, but anyway. I mean, there, there's all. If you want to talk about Ooh. representation, of that movie, there's a other road we could go down there. Ooh, uh, I, I love Shang Chi. I cannot wait. It is. Um, I think it's what less than forty days now until it's available on Disney streaming. So yes. countdown for that. Tight, if you y'all. can't make it to theater, if you do go to theater, please be safe. Uh, my strategy has been. Uh, I, I can sneak out like during the day on weekends when like nobody's at the theater basically, right. or, or you know, some days or something. Yeah. Yeah. And matinee go, there's one, maybe one person, maybe nobody. I saw Candyman. Mm. There was nobody in the theater. Um, so I felt pretty safe doing that, but yeah, I would not go to like a prime time or an yeah. opening night screening at this point. I really enjoyed it. it. I did a full review yeah. over at my movie podcast at thefilmcast.com. What is the thing you want to add on to this, Sherlyn? So uh, my recommendation in addition to Shang-Chi is uh, a, a sort of also a comic based uh, show, which is uh, after I saw Suicide Squad, I was like obsessed and I started watching everything related to that world. So I saw the original Suicide Squad. I saw Birds of Prey. And then I ended up going like, oh my gosh, I actually kind of really like Harley Quinn. So I started to watch the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO Max. Holy crap, this show is good. Like the writing is smart. The characters are so likable. Lake Bell plays Poison Ivy and she's by far my favorite character. The way she's, she adds like vocal mannerisms to this person. Like so real. The way they talk is like in our world. It's not like removed. And I think it's brought back a love of comic series for me. Like I used to love X-Men, watching X-Men as a kid growing up, the cartoon. But then like I moved away from that because I felt like they were for kids and they're getting a little bit boring. But no, adult superhero DC series, holy, this was really great. So it's funny. It's almost, it's not as irreverent, I want to say as Archer, but and it's not as smart like in terms of the writing like archer it really is, does i mean like, it, it is like archer style humor but i do yes i think archer like went downhill after a couple uh, seasons so yeah. yeah whereas this feels fresher yeah this is definitely fresher more mm-hmm. I, I don't i hate to say this but it's more millennial friendly i almost feel like it's it's very like <laughs> millennial friendly is that yeah. our new judgment for a thing okay it's my that's my judgment it's it was it 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 soothed me because it was using my sort of words. Anyway, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. the animated series, there's two seasons on HBO Max. I think a third is coming. Um, it was originally on DC and then now, you know, the new home is HBO Max and the third season is supposed mm-hmm. to be like designed for the HBO Max audience. So who knows what's going to happen with it, but it's acted really well. Kaylee Cuoco, what I thought was unrecognizable as Harley Quinn at first until after a while I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can hear her. Um, but, but, what a great series. Go check it out. Great. And actually, uh, I'll, I'll tap in one other recommendation here just because I'm in like Tony Leung mode. He's so uh, great. At this point. Yeah, he is so great. Uh, have you seen The Grand Master, Sherlin? Oh, so the one where he plays Ip Man. No, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I've, I oh. I saw where the in that GQ interview where he talked about it. Do you yeah. know he broke so I, his hand twice filming that show? Jesus Christ. I, I did know that. Um, so The Grand Master, <laughs> this is Wong Kar Wai's um, film. And Wong Kar Wai... Yes. A director I love, you know, mm-hmm. who is really into like these moody dramas. Mm-hmm. He has tried, he has done like martial arts films before, but it took him a while to like get back into the genre. And yeah. uh, the Grandmaster, which was released in 2013, is this like gorgeous love letter to martial arts cinema, but also to Tony Leung 
in his beautiful eyes. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it is fantastic because it's very unconventional. It is very much like an art movie that okay. will also be, that will bust out into being like a kick-ass movie at certain times mm. too. I think it was streaming in certain places. I saw it there on Netflix, like, I think. Yeah, yeah it, it was streaming there. Just, just check it out. Like, watch the opening fight of that movie. Like, one of the most beautiful rain set fights mm. um, I've ever seen. So there is some CG in it, but it is like... I think the the elegance of what they do, uh, uh, actual choreography wise, is worth checking out. So that's that's pretty much it. Anything else? You I will add, have Berlin? to. I I used. I mm-hmm. am so used to thinking of Donnie Yen as like my canon Ip Man that like I I will have a hard time thinking of Tony Leung, but Tony Leung, yeah. Tony Leung. You know what I mean? So I mean, this is this it. is more like this is the serious Ip Man. This is yeah. the one where it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it is a little darker. It's a little moodier. Whereas right. I think the the Donnie Yen movies are fun. But they're they're like comic book movies. There's like Ipman as a superhero. There's more action, whereas, sure, yeah. Yeah, more action. Whereas this one is like about his uh, the, the love he can't quite you know achieve and how broken his life is at times, and also Tony Leung being just beautiful, like just of course. Yeah, they this I think that movie took them years to shoot because of how complex it was. So you and should because he broke his arm so many times. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me robots that don't smear poop all over the place, I'm at Sherlyn on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com empowering innovation. Poop is everywhere. Poop is a fact of life.